At home, turn us up. In your car, turn us on. At work, tell others about Talking with Ms. T, the talk show that's giving you trending topics, noted news, interesting interviews, community updates, and so much more. It continues right now. Miss T. She'll do the talking. All you got to do is be a good listener. You're back where it's at, and it's time to chat with a show that has the flow to keep you in the know. We chatter about what matters, and we keep it real with our spiel. We keep it real and true while we do what we do. Thanks for tuning in to Talking With Tea, the show designed with you in mind. It's April 16th, and if today is your birthday, you share it with your birthday mates, Chance the Rapper, comedian slash actor Martin Lawrence, and basketball legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Today on the national calendar is Wear Your Pajamas to Work Day. I'm going to suggest that you not participate unless you are working from home. Tax Day is tomorrow. Now normally Tax Day would fall on the 15th, but since the 15th was on a Sunday, it would be moved to Monday the 16th, which would be today, but the 16th is recognized as Emancipation Day in Washington, D.C., so that moves it to the 17th. If you still need more time, there is time to file an extension by visiting irs.gov or having your tax preparer file it for you. Most people getting a refund have probably already filed their returns by now and have enjoyed being income taxi. My hopes are that you manage those funds wisely and use them to lift financial burdens. The theme for this month is Don't Be Foolish. We're highlighting suggestions each week that will help you be done with being dumb and lift you straight out of stupid. This week, we think it is foolish for you to spend more money on your hair and nails than you do on your rent or mortgage. I like to look fly like the next girl, but let's just set some parameters and get some priorities straight. If you got it like that in excess, by all means, spend your money, boo. But if you are spending money that should be allocated toward monthly expenses, your retirement plan, insurance, or even your kids, you need to reevaluate your spending habits. And you won't be running around here like Brokahannis complaining that you don't have enough money for your bills. Now, that that is out of the way, let's check out our happy highlights. I want to lift up the journey of Aisha Champs out of Texas. Miss Champs is a single mother of five who once tried to take her own life after, as a high school dropout, her house burned down, she lost her job, her mother died of a stroke, and the father of her children died from cancer. After her suicide attempt, she received a call from the pastor of her church, the Ministers for Christ Christian Center. Pastor Louise Holman called her and said that God told her to get back in school and become the lawyer she always wanted to be. At the time, she had three children with a fourth on the way and actually thought she was too old to pursue her dreams. But now, after years of hard work, Miss Champs is scheduled to graduate magna cum laude from Texas Southern University's Thurgood Marshall School of Law in May. This is a great story of triumph and moving past the odds to fulfill your destiny. I congratulate Miss Champs and wish her well as she moves toward a future that is much brighter than her past. For this portion of the show, 
I'm going to insert a special edition to shed light on a situation that is occurring in Knoxville, Tennessee, as we move forward to the school budget for the upcoming school year. Hundreds showed up for two Knox County School Board meetings as the fate of programs like Project Grad, Magnet, and the Talented and Gifted programs had been marked for elimination or significant reduction in budget funding. This historic turnout was sparked by the community's outcry regarding the budget cuts that seemed to primarily target schools serving economically disadvantaged students or students of color. I have a few excerpts of what community members had to say. Now, these are only a few of over 100 presentations shared in the board meetings. They were all passionate and powerful. The meetings were long, and I can't play them all for this show, but I encourage you to spend some time listening to what others had to say. To hear more, visit www.talkingwitht.com and click on today's show. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back. You're tuned in to Talking with T. Enter into year four of a funding obligation with a charter school, which if it could not have been properly funded without cutting into existing programs, should not have been entered into to begin with. 74% reduction in magnet programs and completely eliminating project grad from the fiscal year 19 balance budget affects only our inner city students and their families. If this budget passes with the mentioned reductions and elimination, the perception would be that our inner city families don't matter. Thank you. I am Eva T. Satterfield, a Knox County resident in District 1. I stand before you as a proud Austin East graduate where my A was an A and prepared me to be successful at Alabama A&M and graduate from Washington University in St. Louis with a 3.8 GPA. So I was very prepared at Austin East. I'm also a Project Grad Scholar and a former Project Grad employee. I have no doubt that the success I accomplished is due to the seed that Project Grad planted the first day I walked into Knox County Schools. While preparing for college, I leaned on Project Grad many times to get through the college processes, as did many of my peers. As first-generation college students, there are things we simply do not know, and we need somebody to show us the way. My name is Demaya Smith, and I'm a project scholar from Austin East High School, and I would like to address the proposed budget cuts from a student's perspective. Why take money from the less fortunate schools with already limited resources? We have not had a school built since 1970. We only have one middle school in our inner city, which is Vine. Now you are really considering taking the little bit that we do have, which is Project Grad and, and magnet programs. Good evening. Um, Sam McKenzie, Knox County. You all committed to a study. They said, we're going to take a look and see which communities need middle schools. Came back resoundingly. Gibbs does not need a middle school. Wow. Wow. Gibbs has had the same, same number. You go back to the 60s, the 70s, 80s, and it has not grown significantly. But you all, for whatever reason, this body voted to build a Gibbs middle school. Okay. Mistake number two. Then we come to how do we build it now? How do we fund it? We talked a lot about magnet schools. The whole point and purpose of a magnet school is to draw. That's what a magnet does, draw things in. To draw, it was done out of the OCR. 
to desegregate the resegregated schools. That was the point of the magnet program. We shifted course. A rising tide floats all boats. The fact that Project Grad is in the school, as someone said earlier, someone's not getting in a fight because of Project Grad. Someone, someone's doing that homework because Project Grad. Things you can't really quantify. We talk about this is the 50th anniversary. Last week was 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's assassination. Six years after that is when you built the last school in First District. Six years. 46 years ago, 44 years ago, I'm sorry, um, you built Sarah Moore Green. That was the last school. We understand the per-pupil per funding, but you're not counting that wheel tax that built Hart and Valley. That doesn't count into that number. So we, we got to make sure we're dealing with things equally. I'm here to compel you. I could use statistics to convince you, but I rather highlight the most undeniable proof that Project Grad is a necessity in our community. I want to highlight the living, breathing success stories in this very room. My name is Carly Nicole Hammonds, and I am a proud graduate of Fulton High School, class of 2011. I am, I am an alumnus of the illustrious Spelman College, class of 2015 and I'm a current student at the University of Tennessee pursuing my second bachelor's degree in biochemistry and cellular and molecular biology. Throughout the chapters of my academic story of success, I have been fortunate enough to travel the globe, and one thing remains true. It takes a community effort to ensure the success of a child. The story of my success may not be the same as other Project Grad scholars, but our books are all bound together by the support, enthusiasm, and hard work of the men and women that have dedicated their lives. And a new resident of East Knoxville, it was important to me to not take up space that a parent or a native member of our community might use to advocate for our kids. And then, on Monday at the work session, I heard the test scores the reading test scores of third graders used as a weapon against a community. I heard that and I had to say something because while I am certainly not interested in speaking for anyone, I am here to speak because of some people. From your goals, you are going counter to your core values. You are not adhering to your principles you said that you would operate by. In essence, this budget is antithetical to eliminating educational disparities. This budget is in conflict with eliminating educational disparities. This budget is simply hypocritical to what you said you were going to strive for in an area of eliminating educational disparities between blacks and whites in the Knox County school system. In the last 29 hours, I've been asked for and provided specific detail down to specific name of every scholarship re recipient represented in the $2.6 million in scholarships from funds outside of KCS dollars. And we sent that detail by semester, by name, and by high school. I've been asked for and provided information on grad salary and benefit costs for grad. I've provided my organization chart and every job description. I've been asked for and provided the grad 990 nonprofit report. 
I sense there may be a perception that we are overpaid and that all nonprofits should be barely paid, and I'd like to speak to that. When GRAD was established, the founders and the board decided that if we're going to attract and retain highly skilled people with proven experience working with diverse children and families from challenging circumstances, then salaries and benefits need to be competitive, and we need to pay attention to creating an environment where people feel supported and want to be. When the founding executive director, Jerry Hodges, hired me, he told me something he would tell every hire. This will be the best place you've ever worked. We still work intentionally, so that continues to be true. This work is hard on the hearts and the minds of the people on the front lines. Our kids and our families deal with so many challenges. So we also are intentional about taking care of the people who take care of the people. And I don't know if executive principals in the urban schools get any kind of incentive, but I know they sure deserve it. I will conclude by saying we have been providing information for the last 11 months related to grad support in our partnership together. We have been transparent and professional because we have nothing to hide. We are people of integrity, we are respectful, and we are not rude. Our financials are independently audited annually, and to the credit of Ms. Jenkins and her team, we have always had clean audits with no findings. We are good stewards of every dollar entrusted to us from every direction. I really don't know what else we can provide, unless somebody wants to know my shoe size or my favorite food. I do want to say publicly, to the project grad staff and board and all educators in urban public schools. Thank you for your continued support of kids and families in their home neighborhoods. They deserve the best. Every penny you earn, you deserve it. And one more thing, I had not planned to share this, but just so I can know that I left everything on the field in this stand for children. Let me just say this. What about the children? Remember when we were children? And if not for those who loved us and who cared enough to show us where would we be today? What about the children? Well, we won't close the show without hitting a few hot topics and stories that have developed in trending news. So I want to welcome once again the know-it-all Professor Jay and our top investigator, most often instigator, P.I. Pam. Well, looks like Beyonce made history Saturday as the first woman of color to headline at the Coachella Music Festival in California. And she gave the fans a high-energy performance for over two hours 
that had an HBCU feel. So I enjoyed that. And there were guest appearances by Jay-Z, her sister Solange, and Destiny's Child. Did y'all get to see it? I have not seen I did not get a chance to see it because it came on so late. And by the time it came on, I was under the bed. Calling Hall. So, <laughs> Not under the bed. <laughs> under the bed, Calling Hall. So okay. I probably catch one of the replays, but needless to say, my whole Facebook news feed has been going off. You know, the people are here for Queen B and the Destiny's Child reunion. So I'm sure that I will be pleasantly surprised once I actually make it around to actually seeing the recall. I'm yeah, because I, yeah, I actually saw it today as well. I didn't see it last night, but I did catch up with it today. And I must say, it was quite the performance. And I'm trying to figure out where the secret oxygen tanks are because for two hours, over two hours, all that dancing and gyrating and sliding and gliding at the same time while you singing, I don't, I don't see how she did it. I mean, she, she really has hit the level of megastar. Because that took yes, some work. Jay-Z sounded like he did a 10-mile jog all the way from the airport carrying the twins and both arms <laughs> with Blue Ivy was on his back because he was out of breath. But Beyonce <laughs> just did a two-hour show with no signs of fatigue. So, right, uh, <laughs> right. There's honestly no telling because she probably told him, look, I got to go ahead and do this show. You go ahead and get the kids. So you might you might be on to something, Pam. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I'm and then I need Michelle and Destiny mm. Child to quit doing them pelvic thrusts and stomach rolls. Mm. <laughs> you wanted to stop it. Stop it. She, bless her heart. Bless her little heart. <laughs> well, she's just trying to hang on. She, she's trying to hang on. And the White House saga continues as Donald Trump's doorman unofficially confirmed that the president has a love child with a former housekeeper. And then there's former FBI Director James Comey, who puts the current president on blast in his book, which is set to drop next week. He went as far as saying that President Trump is unethical and untethered to the truth. I think I found me a new catchphrase, untethered to the truth. All right, I'm here for that. You know, I'm going to have to get the book as well. But on the issue of that love child, in other news, water is wet. Moving on. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, a controversial story popped up this past week about black men being arrested while waiting at Starbucks. And basically, they were asked to leave and they refused. And employees of this Philadelphia Starbucks had called the police to have them removed for trespassing. When officers arrived and asked them to leave, they still refused, which ultimately led to the police officers making a foolish decision to arrest them. And I'm just saying people don't get the point. In my opinion, they were bringing to light the discrimination they were facing and making all those included to be exposed. So there were several Caucasians who were there and actually spoke up for the young men because they knew they had not received the same treatment as they sat there in white privilege. It was said that the young men didn't purchase anything just as there were several white people who hadn't purchased anything. The young men asked to use the restroom and were denied, while a white woman said she was given the restroom key code as soon as she entered the establishment and she hadn't purchased anything. 
So the chief of police, of course, defended his officers, and Starbucks issued a lame apology. And I will say, I'm not sure that all Starbucks locations should take the fall for this particular location. But be that as it may, companies are generally responsible for the actions of its employees. And for those that deny this whole situation was laced with racism, you can have several seats. In fact, Pam, Jay, let's rent out a whole stadium for all those that refuse to accept the truth and realities of being black in America. Right. And I was reading on Facebook, you know, where we have gone through this whole series of things that we do while being black, driving while Mm -hmm. being black, and now it's sitting in Starbucks while being black. And I'm, I'm, I'm really just disheartened by this whole situation because as a Starbucks aficionado, I can honestly say that there have been times that I have gone into Starbucks where there have been people of other races who have not purchased a thing. Now, I'm mm-hmm. making a point whenever I go in there, say, for example, if I have to go in there to do some work, I'm going to at least get something. Now, I may right. sit for three and four hours, but <laughs> you, can't, you can't say that I did not get uh, a tall passion tea or a tall dark roast with very light cream or even a granola bar. So mm-hmm. I'm going to purposely purchase something so that it's not said, oh, well, he just came to, came up in here and used up our seats and breathed up our air. But, again, I've been in Starbucks on several occasions where people have not purchased a blinking thing, much less gotten a napkin out of the napkin holder uh, and have sat there <laughs> for even as long, if not longer, than I have. Uh, right. So, I, I, again, I, I feel some type of way, and there's been a call for a national boycott of Starbucks in general, and I'm with you. You know, do we merely chalk this up to an isolated incident at one particular location and the actions of a stupid barista? You know, do we, do we label the entire company? Uh, the entire chain because of the actions of one person. And I, right. I don't think that, that would be a, a, a fair assessment, you know. I'm sure that there will be those who will disagree with me. But, again, Starbucks, from also, from what I've seen, has also been very inclusive, uh, has been very instrumental in the whole Black Lives Matter movement. So right. I don't really think that it's fair necessarily to lump the actions of, of one onto a whole company. And then there are those who are asking that we support black-owned coffee shops. Okay. Um, well, we don't have one. I don't, I don't. I, that, that was the point that I was about to make. Well, when well, I get a, <laughs> a clap right there, that was very good. And my take is that, okay, they said that they had, and I've never heard of this, policy, but now they say they have a policy where you can't come in and use the bathroom without purchasing, purchasing something, and you can't sit there without purchasing purchasing something, but they only, you know, put it out there once this happened. People have been sitting in Starbucks. In fact, Starbucks has always welcomed people to come and use their Wi-Fi and sit in there 
And we have all been to establishments where we have waited on other people in the party to come. We have sat there. That's just like if you go to a restaurant, you don't want to order your food before somebody else gets there. But the real sad part is that the white people challenging the police, they have the privilege of questioning police. When black people talk back to cops like they were doing, we are met with aggression, threats, and violence, and it would have turned ugly. And I'm just glad those two intelligent black men did not tear up Starbucks because some they were waiting on them too. They were real calm because you know it could have been ugly and we'd have been putting up RIP hashtags today if they were right. doing anything after knowing them. Well, um, you know, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said. Of course, that policy wasn't enforced until it was convenient. But I agree with Jay in that we probably should hold that particular store manager accountable because I believe that all of that stemmed from a culture that she's established or allowed to occur in that particular Starbucks. And I want to be careful because I want the same grace. You know, every group has a few knuckleheads. And I wouldn't want to be judged by the actions of some of, you know, others. And so I'm just saying, unless Starbucks has cultivated that type of attitude toward black people in general, which to my knowledge they haven't, then I think we need to directly show our disdain to the people who caused it, and that's in that Philadelphia Starbucks. And then that little lame uh, chief of police and his – I'm going to dismiss what he had to say. I don't even know why he came out. He should have just stayed on behind his desk and let sleeping dogs lie. Right, and what gave the, you know, other people were sitting out there. They had been there for hours, like the lady said. What gave her, the woman that called the police, what made her look out there and say, oh, these two, they look suspicious. I need to call the police on them. You know, some, I mean, what makes you think it, that's just crazy, crazy to me. And someone on one of these sites said, well, maybe they were dressed better. No, they wouldn't have uh, treated them like that. What? What? Well, we don't put. Somebody saying some raggedy, raggedy looking folks up in there. Sure. Well, we're gonna usher them onto the stadium with the rest of the seats, and they can sit there as well. And while we're on the topic of racism, Jeffrey Craig Ziegler, fifty-three-year-old retired firefighter, has been charged with assault with intent to murder and possession of a firearm in the omission of a felony. This was revealed this past Friday following an incident in which Ziegler shot a 14-year-old African-American teen named Brennan Walker, who was simply asking for directions as to how to get to school after he missed his school bus. So the boy stopped at Ziegler's house because it had a neighborhood watch sticker on the door, and he thought it would be a safe place to ask for directions. When he knocked on the door, a white woman answered and asked him why he was trying to break into her house. I'm going to put a pause right there because when do you what? try to break into somebody's house and knock on the door? Anyway, just as he was trying to explain, Ziegler comes down the stairs, grabs the guns, and starts shooting. Fortunately, uh, the boy did escape with his life, although he was obviously injured. And Ziegler had called the police to say a black male was attempting to break into his house, but fortunately, the neighborhood had surveillance cameras, which disputed his story and proved him wrong. 
So while Ziegler is currently out of jail on a $50,000 bond, he is set to go to court on April 24th, where he will face a maximum sentence of life in prison. And he should have. Like you said, who knocked on the door? Uh, excuse me, uh, ma'am, sir, could I break in your house today? Right, right. 14-year-old trying to get to school. Oh, that made this, this story just made my blood boil. I was so upset because... Pam, and you know, being mothers of black sons particularly, there are certain stories that maybe are even more offensive or more painful to us because we know that could be anybody's child. Right. You know? Right. Mm. Well, we'll see what happens on April 24th and what type of sentencing he gets because I believe they are labeling this as a hate crime. Well, there was a uh, disturbingly sad story that emerged about five kids. You may have heard about this. They were living with adoptive parents, Jennifer and Sarah Hart. All seven of them were reportedly in an SUV that went off a cliff in in Northern California on March 26th. The family actually lived in Woodland, Washington, near Portland, Oregon, and were supposed to be on a, quote, road trip. Child Protective Services, however, had been trying to reach them for days. There had been countless reports of abuse dating back to 2008. Now, this is 2018. Dating back to 2008. And so, again, the system seems to have failed these babies, and now they're gone. Like many other kids who have become victims of child abuse, and no intervention took place to save them. The question has been asked as to why these kids received no help. And was it because they were five black kids adopted by white parents? Would the outcome have been the same if the situation were reversed? I don't know. But this is truly a sad and tragic story. And, again, I can never find the answer as to why these kids, like many others, are not receiving the intervention or the supports they need from an agency called Child Protective Services. I don't understand. I don't either. Clearly, uh, the system is failing these children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when that little boy was on that picture hugging that cop mm-hmm. at the Black Lives Matter um, protest, and he called right. he was probably busted out there. I said on a post, I wish I could find it. I said something else seems to be going on with him. He's not crying because... He um is happy to be down, but they made it seem like, you know, he's giving out free hugs. No, he's crying for help. You could t- look in his face and see that something was wrong. That was a right, cry right. for help when sir. And that was years ago. Well, so, in the story that I shared, the link to the story, it has that in it as well. So, listeners, you can see the picture she's talking about through the link on the story that I'm sharing about uh this family and their demise off of this cliff. Well, y'all, around the nation, people are still trying to figure out how to best equip schools to handle an active shooter. Some have proposed to arm teachers with guns, and, you know, we we don't think this is a good idea, as there have been stories of an elementary school teacher who accidentally left her gun in a restroom to be recovered by her students. Then there was a teacher that accidentally shot herself in the leg to be followed by a teacher that snapped on the job and began shooting in the classroom. So we've taken a little vote on the Talking With T team, and we don't think that's a good idea. Then there was the district that decided to arm teachers and students with rocks 
as if they were going to be successful in reenacting the days of David and Goliath. We disagree with that as well. And now I read this week that a school is arming teachers with miniature baseball bats. As an educator, I'm trying to use all the intelligence I can muster to try and figure out how to stop a bullet with a bat. And while I admire those trying to come up with solutions, this ain't it. They need to go back to the drawing board and figure out not how to stop a shooter once he or she enters the school, but how to stop the shooter before they even make it to the schools and the classrooms. That part. And I was looking at uh, several stories on the news about these little bats. They look like the little Louisville slugger bats that you – uh, that you get as souvenirs. So, again, like you, Tanisha, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do with this little idiot <laughs> bag right. when somebody right. comes in my classroom with a whole gun. A whole gun. A whole gun. Yeah, yeah, and then I think you ain't going to do nothing but make the shooter mad. First, you, first they're going to throw, throw all them rocks at him, and then they're mm-hmm. going to uh, hit him hit him with the little bat. He's going to be pissed. He's going to be more than pissed off than he already was when he came up in there. Why would they? And not like that. Them bats are like something you get at the, the uh, Toys of Us or somewhere. Little kitty bats. <laughs> well, what a crazy crowd because it's prom season and I have seen some glamorous couples celebrating an event that marks really a milestone in their high school journey. Oh, but I've also seen some pure and utter foolishness. Some of the dresses are beyond insane and definitely not appropriate for the occasion. And then um, I saw on social media just yesterday, that was this girl that came to the prom in a casket. I said, she was dead wrong for this. But anyway, for those of you that are more visual, check out my Hot Miss Prom Picture Gallery on my webpage. Again, that's www.talkingwitht.com. And if you find a prom pic that didn't make my gallery, by all means, please share. But what do you all, Jay, up in your way, do you have girls wearing these uh, scanty uh, dresses and such that have all all body parts hanging out? Listen, um, I know at my school there is a very uh, strict code for these dresses. And uh, if you come in, with a little bit too much skin showing, they turn you mm-hmm. around. They don't care if you have paid sixty or six hundred dollars for your prom ticket. Oh, if you okay. have too much flesh, you going back to the house. We thank mm-hmm. you for your donation to our uh, <laughs> prom fund, and you can bring whoever you want to bring up here: mama, auntie, grandmama, granddaddy, whomever. So I, I will say that. To the uh, to the credit of the young people where I teach, uh, this is this will be my third prom this coming Saturday night. To mm-hmm. their credit, I have not seen any dresses that would cause me to go and get the sheets or the uh, lap scarves or to call the missionaries <laughs> with the needle needle and thread. <laughs> yeah, the casket the thing was too much, and then. You remember last year the girl came in the ambulance and she didn't wake up uh, until Prince Charming came and kissed her. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking to a colleague the other day about how this this particular group of young people, this particular generation, 
is doing the most with the whole prom thing. You know, mm-hmm. they had big prom proposals. We had to, at one point at my school, uh, we were allowed to allow students to come in tardy because everybody was gathering out in the courtyard for a prom proposal. Why you got to get in the casket? Why you got to get in the ambulance? Why you got to make a big discussion? Why you got to shut the street down so you can come out in your prom dress? I don't understand. And it's crazy because my son, Kylan, he done told me and the mother of his day that he wants us to wear all black. And when they get out the car to roll out this red car, I said, you got me so messed up. First of all, <laughs> you're not doing all that. He is so extra. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. He's he trying to keep up with the red. You know what? It's, it is going to get worse. I hate to see what it's going to be like with mine. You know, of course, he's just 12. but he gonna, he going to have a parade. <laughs> you know, you know, well, you know your mama. You know, uh, Mama Lewis gonna go all out, girl. You might as well prepare now. He gonna have a parade. That's our whole. The whole East has to be shut down. <laughs> no, it's just tired of going to the prom. <laughs> I'm stuck, y'all. That's it for this bit. And I guess I'll drum up the mustard to food with y'all again next week. And I can't wait to tell it. And you know I'm going to say it. We discuss many topics on Talking With T. And if you would like to share your thoughts and opinions, call 865-409-1170. We would love to hear from you. We still want to celebrate T's top teens and hometown heroes. So if you would like to make a nomination, visit www.talkingwitht.com. I also would like to continue to spotlight local or rising artists. Well, once again, we've come to the end, but stay engaged by visiting www.talkingwitht.com. You can find the links to many of the stories we share and discuss on the website. Also, Remember to follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Remember, you can listen to Talking With T anytime on your time. Pick your pleasure by choosing Blueberry, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Google Music, or iHeartRadio. New shows will continue to drop each and every Monday. However you choose to listen to the show, remember to leave your reviews and comments. In the meantime and in between time, subscribe to Talking with T Daily, the online daily newspaper to get your daily scoop of trending news and find out what we're talking about. On that note, I'll end with a quote. Be strong, but not rude. Be kind, but not weak. Be humble, but not timid. Be proud, but not arrogant. Remember where you heard the word, keep the peace until next week. You've been listening to Talking with Tea.